This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 877. Brought to you by Time Bomb Comics. And iFanboy listeners just like you. My name is 
Condor Kilmartin. And this is my co-host, Fitzroy Gibbons Belly. <laughs> oh, that's even better out loud than I expected. <laughs> that, that was like, uh, that was interesting. But I'm, we, really, I'm really impressed you went for it. I was just hoping to trip you up and then maybe like yeah. make you laugh with Fitzroy Gibbons Belly. <laughs> my name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Jock Flanagan. Not Fitzroy Gibbons Belly. <laughs> Although that's a good now. name. And welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 877. And that's who we are. Every week we read a bunch of our comics. One of us picks one we like the best from the stack. We call it the Pick of the Week. We'll talk about that book from the and as well as the other books from the week and the patron pack pick and the patron power and listener mail if we have time. Um, cool. That's the show. And here's your spoiler warning. Exercise some caution. This week it says Fitzroy, but I'm gonna just go with Mr. Gibbons Belly. Had to pick. <laughs> I'm really proud of myself for that one. It was like a Keenan Thompson joke. Yeah. The uh, pick of the week is Joe Fix-It, number five. And Excellent what I pick. Thought, Excellent I, okay. pick. I read it late, and as I read it, I was just, I was so happy. I was laughing. <laughs> there was, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly the moment. It's when they recalled the fact that he had painted his head and face, which I had forgotten <laughs> yeah. about. And he goes to Spider-Man goes to give Joe fix it. I get it. Mouth he to goes mouth. to give him mouth to mouth. And, and the mask up, and there's the painted face again. Yep. And that one panel with the horror on Joe Fixit's face, P- Peter Parker is pinching his nose because he's doing it correctly. <laughs> he's got his eyes squinted up, and his face is still <laughs> painted red. And I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to beat that. And, and it, it really wasn't just that, but there were there were other pages and things throughout here. And I know uh, the last issue was pick of the week, and I was like, I don't know that there's a lot to talk about. Again, and I, I actually also thought I was like I think there was something else that I liked earlier, and I couldn't remember. And I went through all the books. I was like, no, nah, it's not even close. It was not even close. Now, now also, well, I will say I really enjoyed my books this week. A bunch yeah, of yeah, it was books. a good week. It was a very mm-hmm. and you know that I read my books in order of least to most excited for, and sure, slightly differently because I read like DC on Tuesday and Marvel on Wednesday. But this was the very last comic I read because this was the most excited I was for a, a Marvel book this week. So I was. I loved it. I thought it was, I thought, you know what? You said something to, on the show a couple of weeks ago, or it could have been 10 weeks ago for all my brain knows. Um, everything is a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And that it, it stuck with me, and I think about it all the time when I'm reading my books. It's that we don't get a lot of fights these days in comics. Yeah. There's been a lot more talky talk, which we like, but they usually balance it out with fighty fight, and they haven't been doing that. And this <laughs> issue is all one big superhero 80s brawl Featuring the correct and proper Electro and Hydro Man and Rhino and Whiplash. Kingpin and and Whiplash and the Hulk and Spider Man. Like this was a big old, you know, knock them down, drag them out fight. And mm-hmm. there was probably more action in this particular comic than any number of books combined this week and other yeah. books that I read. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like as I go through the second half was really like because this this is is this is the last issue, right? Yeah, yes, because yeah. they five sort of five. walk off into the casino sunset. Um, the sort of second half of it is like the fight is going on and, and it's madness. There's a flood. <laughs> there's all these like there's Count Nefaria and like you said, Hydro Man and they're all in their garish costumes. And and um, and there's a bit where there was the there was the CPR bit. And then there's a bit where Spider-Man falls into Kingpin's yes. arms yes. and he thinks, Pank, thanks, P- 
Al, let us never speak of this again. Agreed. <laughs> and it's totally goofy. Yeah, and, but... and also, as I look through these pages, I was like, this is Steve Lieber. And I don't mean to say that Yildre Sinar is aping Steve Lieber, but he's doing all the things in this that Steve Lieber does right. And then finally, um, Whiplash uh, whips at uh, Electro, who's supercharged from the Vegas lights. All of that is good comic book stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's like the classic, like he zaps him and he stands there like I'm fine and sort of stumbles and then falls on his face. You know, it's a three panel comedy bit. Yep. Uh, I mean, the whole thing at the end is it's just it's not even that. Like, it reminds me of comics a long time ago, although it does. It's not that. It's that it's so unselfconscious with what it is and what it wants to be. Mm-hmm. This is kind of funny now, but back then this would have just been what comic a comic was. It's a little funnier, right. probably. Uh, but, you know, and then the end, you know, like, Joe fix it. You kind of expect, like, he's going to be like, leave me alone, kid. No. Nah. He takes Spider-Man out of the town, and Spider-Man's like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> In our costumes. Yes. I, it, I, I do want to talk – I know last time we talked, when this was picked the week about – and everything you said is, is – is, I agree with is correct. Thank you. But I do want to talk more about Yildre Sinar, who we talked about last time, too. Oh. Um, look at the page at the end after they've – you know, Electro and everyone's been blown – not blown up, but defeated, and the Kingpin beats it out of there. So they're – sort of left in the dark in that hotel room and look at the, and this is also D kind of as well. The colorist, mm-hmm. look how great the colors are in that page of them yeah. in the dark with only this, this, uh, what? I mean, I guess that's flash a cell, Somebody's got a flashlight flashlight. Yeah. I was going to say cell phone, but this takes place not before, before cell phones. Uh, this flashlight Actually, this no, really... on this page, he has a big old chunky cell phone. It just doesn't have a light on it. Well, is it, is it or, cell phone or is it a cordless phone? I don't know. Uh, and it's just like really nice, you know, a variation in lighting. It, I always like when the light makes Spider-Man's lines go away in his costume, like when he's mm-hmm. in direct light. I like that that device. They're calling damage control. It's a little 80s reference. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just a really good looking and really fun comic that, you know, caught us all by surprise. Not not entirely because we we've been on the Peter David revival train for several years. But as we talked about issue four, I wasn't super excited for this one because I didn't read the Joe Fixit era mm-hmm. of Hulk, but man, this was super fun. Look at that. <laughs> Looking at it again. Yep. He's gonna He's holding the Hulk's nose with the red face. <laughs> he's, he's going for it. He's, he's in, he's getting ready out of my way. I got to help you whether you like it or not. And also today, my, my friend, my one other comic book friend, he randomly tech. I had I had just written up my list of what the pick was going to be, and he ran <laughs> and he didn't know anything about this. He randomly texted me the page from last issue, <laughs> and and he goes, my my girlfriend just asked why I was cackling maniacally from the other room. And he texts me the page, and I couldn't stop laughing again. Did I mean, you? hard laughing at the Spider-Man face. He painted his hair and drew the lines on it. That face broke the internet when I posted it on our Instagram. <laughs> it got 61,000 likes and it's... 232 comments, which is not a normal output no. on Instagram. Although, every once in a while, one does that. It's so funny. And also, they drew it. I know we're going back to this, but like they drew it with, he has a completely blank expression. So yes. you do that Badofkin thing when you're looking at him and you're just reading whatever it is into it. It's the greatest panel I've seen in forever. This Does your comic book friend listen to the show? Uh, he's a patron, I believe, but I'm not oh, sure okay. if he listens every week. Have we given I given him a power? Yes, you did. Okay. I, I abstained. Interesting. 
Um, this I, was super I, fun. I, yeah. I really, when this ended, I was sad. But um, because, as we talked about again, like I don't know if there's going to be more of these Peter David miniseries. They seem to be popular enough. There's been like four of them. But, you know, he's been sick. He's had hospitalization issues. I don't know if he's written more. I don't know if there's more in the can. I suppose we could ask someone. We could I, probably get an answer, but we haven't done it. I think he. I, I think he's incredibly prolific and incredibly fast. Yes. So, and I it just think he, sad. You know, I like having these come yes. out. They, these uh, are absolutely. coming out regularly for at least two years, and if I just like having a Peter David throwback book in my stack, you know, once a yeah. month or whatever. I mean, it, it it'd be it, it'd be tough for us at the end of the year. Like, who's the best writer in comics right now? We could we could both <laughs> we'd be like Peter David. <laughs> Like he's got a real shot at that. Right. Um, I do want to mention uh, real quick because you had mentioned Cenar and the art, and I, I think the thing that I love about it is this is not the style of his that I recognize. Like he's mm-hmm. a great artist; he does great sketches. Um, he doesn't work quite as much as I think he probably should. But oh, in this, sure. in this, he he does a completely different style that is not necessarily aping somebody specific, but uh-huh. it it's still doing everything right. In terms of comics, in terms of anatomy, mm-hmm. in terms of the style which he's going for, it's extremely consistent. And and like like look at again, just like look at that last page again. Look at Spider Man's proportions. He's it's good. a regular size person. He yeah. like you know he's almost stocky, and, and it's just it's perfect for what they're going for here. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a delight all the way through. I didn't want to make this pick of the week again, but I had no choice. It, it, it's very good, and I, I haven't thought about all of these Peter David minis and what you know the inevitable question of where they would stack on each other. But this was a very, very good one. Yeah, they've all been was, good. My yeah. show was terrific, but different you know, kind of story though. This different, is totally like different. Light kind of story. and fun, and I read the it's Captain a Vegas Marvel romp. one. I mean, look at the cover. Yeah, you know. They're in the back of a, a car with a lot of money and girls, and that's the tone of this story. You know, <laughs> and it shifts around. Like at first, you're like, "Oh, it's a Kingpin story. It's not a Kingpin story. It's not. It's, it's a Joe right. Fixit story." I think. I think you know what part of the thing was is you look at the cover and you're like, "Oh, it's Joe Fixit. That'll be fine." And then Spider Man was a major fun character. I mean, in it's this. kind of a Spider Man story more than a Joe Fixit story. Yeah, we got. I think we got way more into Spider Man and his head and what he was thinking than we got into Joe Fixit. You're right. Which yeah, which it is hard great. with the Hulk anyway, but. When, it's, when the story's not about Spider-Man. Oh, for sure. It's a great 80s, you know, spectacular Spider-Man type Spider-Man. But mm-hmm. um, when you're not doing a, a Bruce Banner Hulk, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's a little bit harder to get into his head. But it, this was Well, yeah, this is great. just Darwin Cook the Hulk. <laughs> this was great. This was great. <laughs> I, was think, I found myself thinking on the last page, how much must his custom suits cost? Because that's a well, lot of fabric. They got to be pretty tough too. I mean, he gets into scrapes, sure. and that thing's not he even. He doesn't even rip it. Nope. You know, I, I wear a suit to a wedding. You know, within moments, the shirt's untucked. You know, that's <laughs> that's partially because I've got a long torso. But you know, I can't get, I can't full on fight four supervillains and have my suit totally, you know, unchecked like he does. Hmm? Good job, good job, Peter Some David. You'll just see cut off and Ariana Mar. Good job. Groot number one. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say that I would have been particularly excited about a Groot story. I don't have anything against him or whatever. Um, but I saw that it was Dan Abnett writing it. And I went, oh. Now, That's interesting. It, people who uh, have really been around 
people who've been around a little while may remember that the writing team of Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, which has since disbanded for undisclosed reasons, uh, but not happy ones, from what I understand. Um, that's literally all I know. I don't, I don't know anything I was alluding to. I knew something. Uh, they created the modern Guardians of the Galaxy universe. They, they was yes. them. They did this. I think they're responsible for it. For, like, if, if that didn't happen, I don't think there's a movie. No. You know? oh, totally not. The movie was their story, or, par- or parts of it. It was taken from there. The characterizations, uh, uh, Captain, you know, Marvel, uh, Nova, all that stuff. They were they they went on an amazing run of cosmic uh, Marvel stuff back then. So that that piqued my interest. I saw the uh, artist was uh, uh, Damien Cusero, whose name I recognize from Gabriel Hardman's. Planet of the Apes run. He followed up oh, wow. Gabe's first arc. Look at you. And and he's done other stuff since then. Good artist. Not like my favorite. It's, it's but I think he was actually perfect for this. He was wonderful. Um, but the thing is this: this isn't a Groot story. Just yeah. like Joe Fix It, um, he's in it. It might turn into a Groot story, but this is a classic Captain Marvel story from back before he became Captain Marvel. Marvel's just a young recruit in the Kree army, and they, they're they're going through the universe trying to solve problems and stop bad guys from doing bad. Interesting. Things. So yeah. it takes place in the in like the seventies of Marvel. Yes, yeah, it's pro- well. When did that Marvel book that we read, Captain Marvel book, that was like the. No. Yeah, okay. No, I'm thinking of the first pit, the first bit that oh, was sixties. Right. So this would be before that. Okay. Um, because he's just a young soldier, and basically, there's these uh, what are they called? They're, they're like reavers or something like that, and they go from planet to planet, stripping them of resources. Uh, oh, and one of the planets human. that they destroy is <laughs> yes, exactly. One of the planets that they destroy is Planet X, where uh, Groot and his kind are from, and and little baby Groot, it's uh, just young. He's not. It's not like a, a thing. And his two friends, Gleef and Tweeg. Uh, are the last survivors of the planet, but and and Marvel finds them and he's he's like, oh well, I'll try to return them to their planet. Uh, and there's a like, you're being insubordinate, officer, <laughs> like in the you know uh, military stuff like that. Yeah, and he's trying to communicate with them and he can't because they don't say any words. Uh, it was cute. It was fun. It felt of a time. It doesn't really feel like a throwback book, but Dan Abnett does wonderful sci-fi adventure comics mm-hmm. um and he, he's a good writer like together they were great but he's a good writer as a novelist um another one of those guys not unlike peter david really who can just write a great marvel comic superhero he did right. uh, aquaman for a while i think yes he it. yes and you know it's funny i you know way back when those abnett landing guardians books were coming out you and ron were super into them and they were always mm-hmm. talking you were always talking about in the show and uh, I, I just wasn't reading them for whatever reason. Just, this classic Marvel was never really my thing when I mm-hmm. growing up, so I, I didn't really read them. But man, I really want to, and I, I they've been on my list that the giant list I've got for yeah. years of you know books to go back and or runs to go back and read, and that, that Guardians of the Galaxy slash Nova era. Yeah, the Annihilus War, I think. Was yeah, the, the Annihilus War, the... all that stuff. All that's all on the list of ones I yeah. eventually want to get to in some someday. Real good. So this was a this was a really fun comic. It was outside of all the shit that's going on. It's just probably you know it's a it's kind of a Groot origin story, but you know heavy Captain Marvel in this. He's not Captain Marvel. He's just Marvel. Although I, they may just pronounce it Marvel. I don't know. Um, there's dinosaurs that are made. There's robot dinosaurs that have chainsaws for faces that are giant that they use to destroy the worlds. 
uh, you know, it's big spaceships, silly old timey Cree outfits with the little Lego space planet on them. Good stuff. I liked it. Speaking of Captain Marvel and dinosaurs, Shazam hey number one, the second book from Mark Wade and Dan Mora. They're doing this in conjunction with World's Finest. Apparently Dan Mora doesn't need to sleep. It's amazing. And what's also great is that I went to paste in what I do is I use last week's script or the last one I had. Yeah. I went to paste them all in and I didn't have my iPad with me. So I put them in as good as I could. And then I went back to do the credits later. And it turns out that I had pasted in Shazam number one exactly over where World's Finest was before. And the credits were already correct. Correct. Same I was credits. very happy about that. You know, he didn't skimp. You know, no, I was, he didn't. I was looking for shortcuts. I was looking for like, okay, maybe we won't have like fully formed background. Like, no, this, that, this, this is detailed as fuck. I was trying to find, and, and like, he doesn't have an inker. That's what a lot of people do when they're doing yeah. a bunch of things at once. That first page made me gasp. He's riding a dinosaur. I know. And it's great. So this is, you know, Mark Wade loves Captain Marvel. He's talked a lot about it in interviews and he's like one of his favorite characters. And so, um, He's a natural fit. And, and there were, th- I really liked this overall. Yes. And I thought the structure was interesting. And I thought the twist a reveal was, was strong considering the rest of the comic. There were things about I didn't like, but that's less to do with Wade and Mora and Sanchez and Petiri than it mm-hmm. does just the, the general sort of state of Captain Marvel in the DC universe. Like I don't, this, the, the status quo in the movies is, is fine. Whatever. It's the movies. I don't care. I don't love it. And so to have it be the, the status quo here. It kind of sucks, and also they decided to make Fawcett City a suburb of Philadelphia, which <laughs> is stupid. It's called it's Fawcett City. <laughs> um, I just wish he'd just been in Fawcett City and not Philadelphia, like the movies, like stuff like that's annoying. However, mm-hmm. the rest of it, I liked Captain Marvel here. He's called the Captain now, which is really dumb, but it's better than Shazam because he couldn't say his own name yeah. out loud. Um, who? What's your it's- name? Uh, my name is John Walker. I'm a <laughs> Captain America uh, from the South who's a little bit racist and backwards. Uh, I like the Back to Basics costume. It's mm-hmm. it's it's like the old 50s style. He doesn't even have the clasp. It's filled just full on, you know, underoos version, which I loved. I liked the examination of him being Billy, his his little like uh, headquarters where he watches old Batman serials from the 1940s, which is the real serials. I like. The, I also like the idea that he's, even though he has the wisdom of Solomon, it doesn't mean he's like a genius. It means he yeah, has they, this they, wisdom yeah. in his head that is constantly giving him advice. But like at school, he's not like a rocket scientist or anything. I like mm-hmm. that bit. What did you think of? You know the whole thing in, in in the original days, the old you know gold and silver age, Captain Marvel. He Billy was a kid reporter. On, at, on Wiz Radio, like he was uh, on the radio mm-hmm. as a reporter. Because back then, as we've talked about before, kids did jobs. Just regular jobs. <laughs> um, well, the kids wanted to do things and be <laughs> things later. They respected adult life. <laughs> right, and right. they weren't constantly confirmed about what they were doing was okay, but when they were in fact doing nothing. And now, like all kids, he's that- an influencer in this comic. He's not really. He's Well, did you think he was a podcaster or did you think he was like a YouTuber? I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't remember. I like, I, I, I'm looking through this right now, and I remember very little of it. But I know I enjoyed it. I mean, honestly, as I, as I look through it right now, if the art was the only thing that I had to go on, I could almost give it a four. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's really perfect. It's Cap- Captain Marvel has. I'm calling him that. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. uh, we're doing we're doing legacy numbers. And I'm calling him <laughs> Captain Marvel. He's the smile with the squinty eyes. Yes. Like he's every time he's Captain Marvel, he's really happy. Uh, you know, he's just happy to be there. I'm trying to remember the thing about the. So oh, he's, go, he's like filming himself on his phone, right? Go he's, to page 16. You'll see is when we meet Takitani, who's, I guess, the live-in you know, cook slash helper for the family of foster kids. we got kids. that. Uh, he's at his computer talking oh, right. okay. with his headphones on. He, he, right. He, says, he calls it a side hustle. And at the end, he says, like, and subscribe. Like, he, the, the iconography of it, other than the headphones, is him being like a YouTuber. But the headphones you know, makes him look like a podcast. I don't know. It, it's... The only the only concern I had going into this book was that previously, many years ago, Mark Wade had written two teen focused books. One was one was Archie, and one was that Marvel Champions book with like Miles Morales and kind of Kamala Khan. Yeah. Yep, and he did it, that. He did that, and it, it, I, I stopped reading on both because both books sounded like old man writing kids, and there's, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that in here, but not here too bad. Can, not too you can bad. Get away with it because. Captain Marvel is at root an old timey kind of character. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and so the whole thing is, you know, the whole issue is us sort of overviewing his life. You know, he's like mm-hmm. good guy, and he has this all this strength and wisdom, and he helps people, and he does all this stuff. And then we see him affect this, you know, amazing rescue, and the cameras are all there, and the newscasters, and and he just he fucking turns evil and yells at the worms on who are. You know, he helps and, you know, fouls his hands helping you, you know, with your stupid, your stupid, pe- like, and he doesn't know where it came from and it just goes away. And I thought that was a fun, interesting twist. Having spent the whole issue building up Captain Marvel as this great guy, something happened to him briefly that made him into an asshole. So, so they, they he canceled himself. This is about that. <laughs> Cancel called. Well, he didn't say anything bad. The but same thing happened here. The same thing happened here in the boys TV show. Oh. But. Uh, he wasn't upset about it afterwards. This was very good. This was yeah, very it was. Good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it. I don't know how. I don't know how Dan Moore does it. I, <sighs> I don't understand. I had a jack to it. Yeah. Batman nine hundred. This was an emotional roller coaster, and I, I know you read this for me, just for mm-hmm. me, because I asked you to. So thank you for that. Chip Zdarsky with Mike Hawthorne and Jorge Jimenez and Michael Jannon on art, and. I was all over the map on this one, Josh, while reading it. Um, yeah, I'm curious. This was the final issue of this dumbass Batman in the multiverse story, the Batman of Gotham, in which he ends up on this planet, you know, this this multiverse, this dimension of, of Earth where they're on, in Gotham, there is no Batman and you know, Joker's a hero, like all this dumb stuff. I didn't care one whit about any of this. I, I stopped caring like three issues ago. I don't care. I don't, I don't care about any of these characters. Uh, I don't care about anything going on in this world. I just wanted him to leave. And so I, I was reading and I'm like, I know it was an oversized issue. It was 50 something pages. And I was like, I don't know, 15, 14, 15 pages in. And I was like, this is what they're doing with issue 900. This, mm-hmm. this stupid story that no one I know or in the D- discord server or anywhere has a good word to say about it. And I love Chip Zdarsky. You know, we all know we are. I, 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 I will say that, um, first of all, I don't think you needed to read what came before this. I was like, okay, no, this is didn't. pretty clear what's going on. Yep. And and B, I did think while I don't like the setup particularly, yep. and and I was like, it's really well written. Like the dialogue was fantastic. No, he's great. I just don't I care. Know. And then 
So I'm, I'm getting there and it, it, I'm like scrolling through. Okay, so it's like 26 pages. We're still on the fucking planet. And it takes 28 pages for, for the inciting incident to happen, uh, which takes it into the realm of a more traditional anniversary issue, which is what, what look, all of these comics, there's certain rules. This These books need to celebrate the legacy of the character. You mm-hmm. never know if you're going to get another 100 issues. 900 issues is a pretty incredible thing. I know we've already had Detective and, and Action hit 1,000, but it's pretty incredible. It's only the third DC book to hit this number. So I was like reading. I was, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I had steam coming out of my ears reading this. I was like, are we really doing this? Like, this is awful. And then on page 28, he gets, he gets kicked back into the, the, you know, the bleed or whatever on this trip home <laughs> and starts bouncing around. Bleed? I think they, I, I guess know. that's but DC now. Yeah. That was wild. He gets, tri- and he gets kicked back into the multiverse and he starts popping up throughout the multiverse and that's kind of a way they use to celebrate the history of batman and i i was in i was 100 percent all in klein and sinker on all these scenes the first one he lands in the michael keaton batman universe somehow the joker's back and michael keaton in his batman glory is there talking to him and then he goes to sort of like a it's almost like a horror version and then we get like a bunch of them a mike mignola one a uh, sort of See, uh, Dick Sprang. What, what? The horror version. I was like, this is somebody. This is like Kelly jo- or actually, it looks like it Could, looks like Mignola. Well, Mignola's the next one. Okay, he's the top yeah, panel. The next one. It's sort of Kelly Jones esque. Um, Sprang, Alan Burnett, Sprangish. We get the animated series. And it's, it's like Jock at the bottom. I can't tell what that one is. And then the um, page after that, that's Jim Lee. Kind of, Maybe. and then we get there's a extended sequence where he goes to the Batman Beyond world, and that was team great. up with old Batman. I don't care about Batman Beyond world, but that sequence was really good. It was really good, and he gives he gives he gives Batman the tool to get home this little disc, mm-hmm. and the whole the whole thing about this this trip is that the Joker's energy is sort of bleeding through the multiverse. So places where there's Mignola, above yeah, it comes back. Kingdom Come, yeah, it comes back okay. in. But the the thing is like. Pl- the Joker's energy is bleeding through the multiverse, and he's the Joker's popping up in places he wasn't before. So, like in the, 80, in the Batman eighty nine world, he's back, and he shows up here in the Batman Beyond world, and and then we we do some more bouncing around, and we see it's sort of like it's like Marshall Rogers esque, and then there's a more Mignola Kingdom Come, and then we go to Batman sixty six where the Caesar Romero Joker has turned way more deadly, mm-hmm. and I love this fucking page where where. You know, Adam West Batman is like, uh, I can't say I'm familiar with the multiverse, but what I do know is Batman really needs a utility belt to fight the darkness, friend. And he gives him his own utility belt off his back because Batman bouncing around the multiverse doesn't have one. And so and now he's flying ar- off. Yes. And now he's <laughs> flying around with the 80, with the 66 utility belt that he ends up in the Dark Knight Returns world for an extended period, goes to the Batcave with that Batman. And his suit's all messed up, so that Batman gives him his blue and gray suit. So now he's got the Dark Knight Returns suit on with the 66 utility belt. And he ends up fighting the Joker in this multiverse where there is no Earth, there is no Gotham, that the the Joker is manifesting it on this asteroid. And I'm just like, I was just like, okay, what the fuck? And then a giant Joker shark, space shark, is there. Which there is a history of Batman fighting sharks. Well, so we get this Joker space shark because it's got the Joker lips and everything. And 
You love it. You love it. <laughs> I do love it. So Batman's like going to get eaten by the shark, quit, you know, Quint style. It's coming up and he's sliding down the, the, the rock towards the mouth. And he opens up the utility belt. And that's what I went. Oh, n- yes. And he pulls out the bat <laughs> shark repellent spray from six, the 66 film. And, it and works. He's, he says, uh, uh, what is? I finally met a Batman more prepared than I am. And he sprays the shark with the bat repellent shark spray. And I just went, yes, okay, fine. Um, Maybe then, if this if this was all in service of that moment. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And then at the end, as we've been seeing in the back, backup stories, Tim Drake appears and uh, reunites with him. They have a nice father-son hug. And thank you for saving me, for coming for me. And I was all in on that. And then there was a... And he was like, what the fuck is on your face? Get that off that. <laughs> it was a... A final stinger with the Batman of multi multiverse and the Bat Batman in a Ra, those you know the weird multicolored Batman, which I don't really care for, so I didn't love that. But so I was down, then I was up, and then I was really up, and then I was down a little bit. But overall, they 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 salvaged Batman nine hundred, even though I think they wasted a good half of it on a story that most people seem to not really care about. But I'm um, I want to know who drew this, who drew this part. It's not clear. There's three artists listed. All the different versions. So Hawthorne did the story because he's been doing the entire you know Batman of Gotham story. So he did. Which the I first, like. I like that art. I think that art's great. He did the first half, and then Jorge Jimenez and Michael Michael Janin did a lot of the. Um, I mean, yeah, you're right. There's no way to know who who was aping the styles, but I think a lot of it was Jorge Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I suspect that's right. But I mean, they're really good. There's dozens of things here. Dozens and, of styles. And they're. I, I mean, the being able to go into the animated styles from the Mignola style to the to the classic sort of sprang. It's great. There's, yeah. I mean, the the um the the Frank Miller stuff. Yeah, it's good. Is perfect, and and even you know the the little Alex Ross. He was like, I'm doing one panel. I'm not doing any more Alex <laughs> Ross than that. Uh, it was all delightful. So what I need now is now we've we've had issue nine hundred we've had the wrap up of the storyline, I, I I desperately need DC to fix Batman. Uh huh. We need to get back to classic Batman, give him his money back, get him back in the mansion. I'm gonna I'm gonna Al- pitch something to Alfred you. might be too far, but I'll take Alfred. Like we got to get Batman back. What if he expands his family greatly and they all live with him in the house and they're all together in a small room all the time and some of them you can't tell from the other ones? How would you feel about that? Why? (laughs) Do you think at this point, like, the people at the editorial office are like, uh, all right, this story is good. Is anyone going to have their hand cut off? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. We go go full empire on this one. Like the like the story before it, <laughs> uh, I, I, they got to fix it. They got to fix it. They they broke Batman in order to move him forward into the the great the the vast new future that was going to be DC three G. It never happened. They got to fix it. They got to. Well, Zdarsky should be the guy to do it. Uh, yeah, but it's not his choice. He's not in charge. I get it. He do just executes. But. Fix it. Fair. Well, at least they gave you something you could enjoy. I enjoyed this issue. This episode here is brought to you by Time Bomb Comics. 
a great comics publisher in the UK, and they're excited to share with the iFanboy audience their latest title, Quantum. Following the success of Time Bomb's 2022 Jerry Anderson Spectrum anthology, Quantum will be bi-monthly oversized comic. Quantum number one is 52 pages and contains five stories and begins four ongoing serials, each one set in a world alternate to our own. I like anthology comics. Mm-hmm. I like the old old school way of doing it. The cover to Quantum Number One is a piece by David Morris and Ben Lopez, featuring characters from within the comic. Inside Number One, you'll find stories like Major Rakana, Pax Galactica Part One, written by Steve Tanner with art by Pete Woods. Mm. Western Noir Moon Cursed Part One by Dave West and Joseph Peronk. Memphis, written, drawn, and lettered by David Morris. Whatever Happened to the World's Fastest Man, Part 1, written by Dave West, with art by Marlene Lowe. The Clockwork Cavalier by Steve Tanner and artist Ed Machiavello. Don't trust him. Uh, he's, he's not as bad as, as Ed Machiavelli, his, his cousin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's Machiavello. He just wants power. <laughs> you can find Quantum Number 1 at Midtown Comics in New York, Chicago Comics in Chicago, Forbidden Planet in New York. And if you're not in those cities, all of those shops will do mail order. If you're in the UK, you can find Quantum Number 1 at news agents like W.H. Smith. Head over to timebombcomics.com to get a glimpse of Quantum Number 1 and find it at a local comic shop in the U.S. or a news agent in the U.K. around the world today. I Hate This Place Number 8 hmm. by Kyle Starks. I forgot to update the art. I knew I was going to get something. Uh, this this story, the reason I'm bringing this up is that it started off, uh, two ladies in a relationship moved to a farm. There's ghosts. Mm. It's kind of weird. Yep. Then we pivot, and it turns out that her, uh, the one girl's family is not unlike uh, Jesse Custer's family. And then we pivot again, and now it's a fucking time travel story. <sighs> I'm, uh, I've always been, I've been struggling with this one. I love it. I think <laughs> I think it is like it, Kyle Starks does a thing. He does a Kyle Starks thing, um, but he is more than that. Like he can get away with fuck Tarkington mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. doing things like that, and it's totally fine. And he did the where monsters live over at uh, Dark Horse too, which is sort of a silly, violent version. But this one, he's just like I, I don't know what this is going to be. Let's see what happens. And I really like the freedom of it. I I don't know what it is. I. I am compelled by these two main characters. I like them. I want them to succeed. I don't know what's going on. I like the like the other people. There's the ghost hunter guy who got killed. Yep. And he comes back as a ghost. I, I just I I can't put my finger on it, but I'm I I am really enjoying it. A couple of weeks ago we had a solid and Ahmed book from Image, right? Yeah. Was, so this week we have another one, Star Signs number one, with art by Mega Levins. And I like this. I oh, read yeah, it. you read it? I quite yeah. enjoyed it. I, I really like the art. Meg Levins is sort of a combination of McKelvey and Philip Bond a little bit, like mix those I can two see together. That. Yeah. And, you know, in a world where we're constantly talking about artists who are doing these major books that are not pr- ready for prime time. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know who Meg Levins is, but the art's terrific. Really, I was really impressed with the art. I, the character stuff was really fantastic. Yeah. So the main character here is a, a, a young Lebanese woman. I think she says Lebanese American. Lebanese right? American. Yeah. And and she just looks like like she like she has a unique look and it's yeah. consistent the whole way through. And there's a really so here's the thing. I couldn't tell you what the framing device was and what all the things at the beginning were and the star signs and whatever. I know that she was an interesting character. She has a really 
unique conversation with her father, which I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And then she goes to her job and things are going badly. And she turns out that she has the same power that the people in sex criminals have where they can well, stop time. This, this was a, this was slightly <laughs> like the ambassador slightly mm-hmm. in that from, from what I <laughs> can get glean from reading it, you know, the, the cold open is a bunch of people in Canada and the Northwest territories unleash some technology at the stars and they seem to have unlocked power within the constellations. So, like, all the constellations disappear mm-hmm. from the sky. Oh, right, right, and it right. it seems as if the pa- some superpowers are now inside people. And one of the people that has powers is this woman in Brooklyn, uh, right. uh, Rana Fawaz. Who? And at the it's end, just... she, gets, she meets other, somebody else mm-hmm. who also has power. And they're all being controlled by this billionaire guy from the cold open. So it seems like the uh, United Colors of Benetton superhero team concept, which is not new at all, um, that is being used in the the ambassadors is also being used here. Their names are constellation names, like uh, they call her Taurus here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know what the bigger story is or what the wider things, but as a character piece, you're right, this is terrific. I just uh, Salad Ahmed is a really strong comic book writer. I'm not a huge fan of all the stuff he's done, but he's very good. And I think, yeah, the art, the production of it matched with the story mm-hmm. uh, in a way. And the people, I think characterizations were wonderful. Uh, so it was a nice surprise. I was happy about it. The Avengers War across time number five ended five of five, and it's over. I, at first, I was annoyed because I felt like mm, this is one of those times where we needed a sixth issue of a miniseries now that we're down to five on miniseries. But then I thought about it. And well, first of all, this is, you know, the, it culminates a big fight with Kang and Kang's Citadel. Well, and it was it's, fun. It's the end question mark, Connor. Well, my point is this I thought about it. And A, this is how comics worked in the 60s. They went real quick, they moved fast. Yes. There wasn't a lot of hanging around and talking, there was a, it was a lot of fighty fight. And I'm just, that's my thing now. Fighty fight. Talky talk, fighty fight. <laughs> uh, too much talky talk, not enough fighty fight. So mm-hmm. um, first I thought, well, you know what? That's fine. Because they, they moved quickly back then. You read a comic and a lot of stuff happened and it always wrapped up very quickly. And also, this takes place between the issues. So it can't go on for 12 issues because they got to go to the next issue of Avengers. <laughs> you know? So when I thought about it that way, I thought, you know, that's probably the proper amount of time. But I, I loved this miniseries all the way through. And I thought this was, I really liked you know, it's kind of similar to, to Batman where, you know, they, they, they fight Kang, Kang sends them back to their own time. And in doing so through the time stream, they, they see glimpses of future events uh, throughout the Marvel history involving the Avengers, including the young Avengers and, you know, fighting Thanos and who's all that big man with the rings. No, they call him a purple monster. Yeah. Um, I like all that. I think what's interesting, I think is at the beginning when this miniseries started, we're like, huh, Alan Davis, and it looked a little not Alan Davis-y. By the end of it, though, I was full on Alan Davis. They just colored him flat. Rochelle Rosenberg. Great color. Uh, you know. Great color. Who did another book later in a completely different style. But it was perfect. It, it gave it, – it, I, I loved it because it kind of highlights that Alan Davis was a man between eras. Mm. You know, like you could like – it was colored like this. And it's like, oh, I can totally see, you know, how this looks like 70s Marvel. Right. You know, that went into like the best of eighties Marvel. He's he's sort of you know, uh, Walt Simonson, another another guy like that. Like he's a step away from from the Kirby stuff. You know, as he goes into the modern stuff and then breaks off. Um, but like as I look at every page here, I was like, oh, this is this is classic Alan Davis. There's no there's no steps lost here. Yep. Um, good stuff. Yeah, enjoyed I really enjoyed it. it. 
Oh, Love Everlasting, number seven. So th- I wanted to mention this because this is the first issue where we, we don't follow the formula. And there's been slight variations, but we still always follow the formula in which every issue was a new scenario. This is the first time where this the, the, the man she's with here is the same man she was with in the last issue. And she we, accepted we, her fate at the end of the last yeah, issue. Yeah, we've continued so. on now. Now she's older. She's got two kids. She has the perfect, quote-unquote, perfect life in the suburbs with her executive ad executive husband and she is a housewife and they have two kids at school and yada 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 she wants to hang herself and not literally but that kind that's sort of the subtext of it and she doesn't know why you know nothing changed for her and then then she sort of has this psychotic break done in in a in a in ter- some terrific like uh i don't know four eight twelve six like 28 panel grids and uh, her whole life goes to goes to hell, and mm. but it still is not enough to trigger whatever gets her out of the life. And I just thought this was a really fun issue in, in terms of totally breaking what we've been used to with this book so far. Yeah, it was time. That's and she's still not gone. Movie. I mean, she's still with the guy at the end. She's just in a she's mm. in a, a, a mental hospital because back then husbands could commit their wives for nothing. Mm. They just could put them in the home. You might think that I'm going to make a joke here. I'm not. No, it's not. That's it's horrible. Awful. Horrible, horrible. You know what else Connor. is horrible? Star Wars yeah. Corner. But here we are. Star Wars Corner. There were four. Count them four. Well, it is May 4th, Star- Josh. Oh, that's May 4th why. week. There was more than that, though. I I read four Star Wars comics that came out this week. Um, and speaking of big fight scenes, we're not talking about it. But Yoda, which is <laughs> really fun. The Yoda series has yep. been fun. It was all fights. He fought uh, General Grievous, and it was just a big old lightsaber fight in the comic book. Um, and I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, this story right now is uh, Luke Skywalker broke or lost when he, he lost his lightsaber at the end of Empire. So this is between Empire and Jedi. Right. And he got a replacement one, but it was kind of shitty. And then it, what color it, the, was it? Yellow. And the crystal cracked. And so now he is on. This is the story of him going to get another crystal so that he can make his green one. This is like C-3PO's arm. Yeah, sort of. But I I don't really mind this because there is a story about him doing that. Like there has to be. And, you know, because when he shows up, I went and saw Return of the Jedi in the theater yesterday. Mm. And there's such a difference between the guy who's at the end of Empire and and the guy who who saunters into Jabba's palace. Wait a minute. Why did we talk about Return of the Jedi instead of comics? We could have done that for an hour. We could have. I would have done that. I still can't. Listen, it isn't going anywhere. Um, But, you know, like... Not despite myself, like there's, I, I was in, I was intrigued. I was enjoying the story. It got to the end, and I was like, "Oh, it's going to happen." I've enjoyed this Star Wars series all the way through. I really think it toes the line. Um, but anyway, that, that's sort of what's going on here. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not super serious. Luke has a really bad haircut, but he that's does fine. have a really bad, bad haircut, so it makes sense. Um, I, you know, I want him to get that crystal. I'm fine. Have with you it. seen Mark Hamill lately? He looks great. He does look great. He looks great. Yeah. Well, he's so happy. Um, like, like for, I was saying this, like anybody else who's his age would be like, will you stop going back to the well? But he fucking loves it so much and we love him. So do it. I know that I, I even saw him in an ad for the new Star Wars video game, which is, which yep. people I know have really been enjoying. And he's having fun in that ad. And I was like, you know what? Good for you, Mark Hamill. Yeah, he he's brought so much joy. He deserves to be happy, and I hope that he is as happy and well adjusted and positive as he seems to be. 
I hope that's real. For and him. I'm happy for you and your Star Wars comics. I know I make fun and now I poke at them, but I'm happy that you and all those out there in listener land who like reading the books have them to enjoy. They're good, they're good quality books. Good Charles quality Soul's a great writer. And that's the, co- I, I, you know what happened? In the middle of all that, I, I closed my iPad and I, there's still more books to talk about. I shouldn't have done it's, that. It was, a, it was a really strong week. It was I, a good I, week. I enjoyed this week quite a bit. Those are the books we want to talk about. But at patreon.com slash ifanboy, the patrons of the show, one of the perks they get is they all get together. And they all put their piece, their thumb in a little bit of ink, and they vote to add a book to the rundown. They all walk in with their thumbprints uh, and their ink things. It's a very long piece of paper with all the comics listed on it, and they make their mark next to that piece of paper. And then I have to go count them before the show happens. And the winner this week was Peacemaker Tries Hard, number one, from DC Comics' Black Label. This is the <sighs> second book from DC Comics that had an exclamation point in the title. Yes. And this is from Kyle Starks and Steve Pugh and Jordi Belair and Becca Carey. And I don't think we've ever had a Kyle Starks non-image book, have we? I can't he remember. Must, he must have done something. I don't remember it. I can't but... remember. Okay. I'm just saying, I, I don't know. If, 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 if it's happened, let us know, but I can't remember. You keep talking. I'm taking a look. So this is obviously coasting on the popularity of the Peacemaker TV show, which I have never seen. Uh, I saw the Suicide Squad film, did not enjoy it. And so I was reticent to read this book, but then I saw it was Kyle Starks and Steve Pugh, and I thought, well, that's interesting. <laughs> I like Steve Pugh a lot, and Kyle Starks is, even, even though I'm not loving I Hate This Place, I, he's still one of my mo- favorite, most interesting writers working in comics. So yeah, I gave it a shot even before it was the patron pick, and I liked it. I he, it did, he did a D-Man story in Secret Wars 2. Does that he count? He did a couple of issues... I guess in Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, maybe did backups. But yeah, other than that, he's only done, he did five issues of Mars Attacks for Dynamite mm-hmm. Image, and then uh, a lot of Rick and Morty and a couple of other things for Oni. Interesting. Hmm. So I don't know if it's because of the Steve Pugh art, but I'm used to seeing Kyle Starks with more of a cartoony artist, you know? Yes. I felt like, oh, I was reading this, I thought, oh, Kyle Starks has a lot of Mark Russell in him. I don't yes. know if it's because of Steve Pugh or just because he does. Yeah, I had but, that same feeling. But th- if you had, if you had handed me this book and just said, "Hey," with the creative team blacked out, I might have mm-hmm. said this was a Mark Russell Steve Pugh book. It was a little more um, blue, yeah, I guess. Oh yeah. yeah, but I, I, I think that was the difference. Yeah, I, I forgot it was Black Label. So at one point in the first scene, character says, uh, "The poop that poop eating motherfucker," and I went, "Whoa!" Yeah, like, me my too. head snapped back. Because I just wasn't prepared for that in a, in a DC comic because I didn't see black the black label the black label label. Um, I don't even know. You know, the story's fine. It's the Peacemaker character who who is basically very much just the movie slash TV version of Peacemaker, who is is um, you know brought together by Suicide Squad to do something. What did he have to go do? Uh, I mean, he's trying to reform himself or whatever. And, and what do they make him do? Amanda Waller had him go take care of some terrorists and he went across the state line. Oh, right, right, right. And then his patrol officer, who's a very odd character, but was great, uh, you know, so he can't be doing that. And then he, he gets, he, his dog is kidnapped. And so then he goes to a sewage plant where he just kills a dude by accident. (laughs) Right. He goes to go to terrorists. The terrorists had a dog. He adopts the dog or takes the dog. Right. And then they take the, then the dog and then, he has a flashback, and you know, there's a whole thing, and there's a, there's a cake joke. There's an extended Monsieur cake Mala joke. and uh, the brain, uh, the brain, Monsieur uh, Mala, kidnap his dog, kidnap his dog, and he goes to fight them. 
which are very silly DC villains. They're up there. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're in um, love, too. I think they're a couple. I think that's possible. Yeah. He kills a security guard who he thought was a bad guy, but it just turns out it was just a regular security guard at the plant. Like, that's the kind of stuff I didn't like in the movie. But overall, I thought this was enjoyable. I didn't love it, but I didn't I finish it. I went, okay, that was fine. That was fun. I think I was, I'm, I was right there with you. I, I will say, I, uh, I liked the first, the movie, the, the first one. It was, was Suicide it? Squad. Suicide Squad 2. I never saw the first one, but I, I enjoyed well, it. It was fun. What do you mean 2? Wasn't there a Suicide yeah, but they Squad weren't, they weren't. They weren't related in any way. Oh, they weren't? No. But what's her name is in both of them? Well, there was a there were, there were two characters that were in both, but okay. They did, it wasn't like a well, whatever. It, it I was saw like a the soft reboot one. with with some characters being used in. I saw the second one in the theater. It was one of the first movies I saw, like when we were allowed to see movies again, yeah. and and I enjoyed it. And it may have been that because I hadn't been to the movies in a while. Um, and then like I enjoyed it. It wasn't like oh man, mm-hmm. that was great. And then the the TV series came out, and I watched the first one, and I was like, yeah, I've had enough of that. Right. And so I saw the cover to this, and I thought, I think people will enjoy this, but it's not really for me. I didn't even look for the creative team. Mm-hmm. So when you said it was going to be the patron pick, and you said it was, I was like, oh, okay, well that that's at least something. And I think this is spectacular, Steve Pugh. Oh, it's great looking book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, it's, he's he's the John Cena version without it being John Cena, but also kind of looking like John. Like it's like he yeah. finds that middle ground where it it's not a total like you know quote unquote like licensed book, but it it still works in that sense. I like the first joke in the beginning where they were the the two customers in the store were talking about the uh, upcoming Tales. adaptation of Tales of the Black Freighter, which is the the uh, pirate story from Watchmen, right? And, and of course, Peacemaker was the inspiration for the comedian. Um, ah, so yes. that, that was a funny little bit of, uh, you know, Ouroboros <laughs> comic book referencing. But, you know, am I going to read more of this? Maybe. Maybe. That's for later. Well, I don't know. It's a good joke. There's good jokes in it. Like, it's it was funny. Um, <laughs> like, he's an idiot. And he says, like, I haven't heard of a ton of jazz musicians. Does that mean they don't exist? And then the two people behind him just start naming off jazz people. <laughs> Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, Ella Fitzgerald, Louis Armstrong. Um, I will tell you, I'll tell you what I love about comic book art. I'm going to tell you exactly where mm-hmm. to go. Page seven, panel one. Okay. He's driving his car. It's jumping in the air. The tires mm-hmm. are sort of at a weird angle. Yeah. But it tells me exactly what it's doing. It's just silly enough. He didn't try to draw really. This is not a, a uh, traced car from a Google image search. Yeah. It's a cartoon car, but it's exactly like, and then in the next panel, you know, you can see the car is kind of up in the air and tilted. <laughs> so it's actually a continuation of the shot before it. Yeah. It's silly. No, I mean, Kyle Starks really did a good job. You know, the whole bit is that the brain, who was literally just a disembodied brain, uh, wants a body. And so if if Peacemaker wants his dog back, he's got to go get the genetic material of Deathstroke the Terminator. And, and you the know reason what? that he found a dog is because no one likes him. They won't, he his no friends will come to his party. Right. He's an outcast because he's annoying. Yes. I might read the next one. I might. I want to mm-hmm. see Kyle Sarks do Deathstroke the Terminator. It's, it's mostly because I want to see this creative team do this story more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what? I was going to probably say no, but the more we talked about it, I think, yeah, I probably should. So, ratings on Peacemaker tries hard, exclamation point number one out of five. I'm going to give it a 3.75. Yeah. I mean, you know what? 3.85. Ooh. I, it's because I was on the page where I was looking at Mr. Mela 
who not only is a brain in the jar, but he's on a post of some kind. <laughs> he has no arms or legs. Oh, yeah, just, he's just like, a brain, and Monsieur Malat like, is Monsieur Malat is dressed like an '80s communist revolutionary. And yeah, I'm sorry, the brain. Yeah, and uh, and they're in love, and he wants a body. And it's the silliest. Like they didn't make this up for this. These are existing characters. No, no. They, and in fact, they were in a comic recently. I think where the brain was killed. I think he was stomped on. I think you're right. I feel like I have seen them recently. But uh, so I'll go to three point seven five, and I will I will read the next issue. Okay. You will too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, there you go. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. Hey, it's time for the patron powers. If you're a patron who gives at the $5 or higher level, you get rewarded. Rewarded or cursed or we're sorry with a patron power live on the show. That's the gig. If, and this week's winner is Daniel Clark. Daniel's power is that everything around him uh, it, we'll, we'll say in a uh, twenty to thirty foot radius, and I'm I'm really into these. I'm I'm into these area of effects powers lately. It stays fresh. <laughs> Everything stays fresh. Well, with these grocery prices, <laughs> that's just a win. He does that. He never has to worry about avocados going bad on him. Uh, food, you know, all, the milk never turns. Uh huh. Eggs. It's just you know, even even sort of like you know. Body odor, that sort of fresh from the shower sm- smell and feeling. Everything stays fresh around Daniel Craig. Let me ask you Clark. a question. Yeah. You still on regular milk? Oh, yeah. I, I thought so, but, you know, you, you went to California. Things changed. I, I hope people understand that a non-regular milk is full of sugar to give it flavor. Yeah. It's actually in some ways worse for you. Sure. If it, as long as it doesn't. Regular milk sometimes make people crap uncontrollably. Yeah. Some people have that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, not dis- I'm not unsympathetic to people with lactose intolerance. I'm just saying... You know, people act like it's this panacea of health. That's actually let me tell sugar. you something. Yep. I'm really scared of irregular milk, of like 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 other milks. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I'm just afraid to try. <laughs> I just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think it's going to be wrong. No, I I, I drink two percent milk, but you know. Oh wow! Every once in a while, I will have a whole milk. You know, and I'll be like, oh, that's how milk's supposed to taste. Ugh, awful. So good. It's too thick. We were, we, were mil- we were milk drinking family when I was a kid. Yeah, so. no, I, I knew that. I knew you were a whole milk man. My mom is still a whole milk person. She's good. She's in good health. Yeah. Good shape. Um, so there What's you go, that? Daniel Clark. Everything stays fresh with you. Nothing goes bad on you. So, you know. So, therefore, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is he then protected from food poisoning? Because food poisoning isn't necessarily food spoiling, but something in it. No, no, no that's different. That's like a, that's a bacteria. Uh-huh. Plus, that's not he doesn't it just it's just he just stops food from t- turning okay or whatever turn from turning stinks anything that can be fresh and then unfresh he he prevents that from happening he can't bring it back no 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 he just it just never turns in the first place you know what that would be useful for that food that we're not supposed to eat as much of is bread and I don't mean like just regular oh, yeah, bread. bread won't, you, bread won't you, mold. You, all you the go stuff buy yourself. Fresh. Yeah, but I know. But like you get yourself one of the, a good loaf. Yeah. A baguette, an Italian, oh, sure. something crusty. And it just, it's it's amazing that first day. Mm-hmm. That's all you have though. So you you could you could eat the entire thing of bread, but that's not. You know the bread makes me hiccup almost instantly every time? <laughs> well, there's some breads have a lot of air in it. All bread. If I eat bread, it makes me hiccup. Mm. Lindsay well, I, will hear uh, me from the other room. Are you eating bread? No. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thanks for being a patron, Daniel. And you can be a patron yourself. At the $5 or higher level, you get a silly power. Hopefully you enjoy it. Are we doing this email? What are we doing? You're in charge. 
Uh, I don't even know how far along we are in here. Yeah, let's do it. Zach from St. Louis, Missouri. I'll, I'll, I'll read your question. Okay, he's mine. got a question for each of us, so well, you can yes. do mine and I'll do yours. Denny O'Neill, the Batman editor at the time, you don't need to tell us that, <laughs> once said that the famous Jason Todd phone stunt was a slim margin, less than 85 vote difference out of around 10,000. He also claimed that he'd heard rumors that a lawyer programmed his Macintosh computer to call the kill number every few minutes for the duration of the campaign. Good man. What does it matter that he was a lawyer? Uh, does this change your opinion? Just a detail. <laughs> Does this change your – we haven't verified any of this. Does right. this change your opinion of the trajectory of Jason Todd as a character? If the real vote would have reflected that he should live, what do you think would have changed? Do you think things worked out for the best since we got Tim Drake out of the deal? I can answer that last one for you. Yeah, yes. absolutely worked out for the best. I, If he had been voted to live, I think they would have had to have softened the character. I mean the whole reason why they did it in the first place is because fans really hated Jason Todd. He was a miserable character. I mean, it was interesting. I can see it now as a 45-year-old as opposed to a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. But he was miserable and he was murderous and he may have killed a guy and he was a, he had anger issues. He just wasn't what people wanted after Dick Grayson. And they tried to do something different and didn't work out. So, the, so they came up with this plot to do it. Now, I think if they hadn't killed him, they would have had to have fixed him. They would have had to, you know, they would have had to have said, like, the experience that he went through finding his mom, getting blown up by the Joker, uh, you know, changed him, made him a better man. They would have had to have done it because it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So um, if, they, if he had lived, I still think he would have been a different character. But now, you know, it, it is interesting because if Jason Todd lives, the DC universe, at least in the Batman family, does not unfold the way, you know, we are, I, we, I don't, it's a very different Batman family even right now, you know? Mm-hmm. It's very different because he dies. Tim Drake comes in. He becomes a character all, all of his own with his own characters. And we get the spoilers who's now Batgirl currently. And, you know, this whole world built up around Tim Drake that is still in some ways in play today. And you remove all that. I mean, do, do they even bring in Damien because they, because they still have Jason? Like, it's very interesting because l- losing Jason allows them to introduce new Robins, you know, at willy nilly, basically, which is what they've been mm-hmm. doing. So it's interesting to, to to think what would have happened, what would have been different. But I don't think I could stand to lose Duke. <laughs> For a second, I was Duke, like, is Duke is Duke still around? I mean, well, there's like group shots. <laughs> um, yeah, I was the Mortimer Duke. Um, I can't lose Mortimer Duke. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it doesn't change my opinion of the, of the character. I didn't I didn't like the character at the time. So. Um, and I, we always we always knew it was a close vote whether whether or not this actually this dude actually programmed his computer to do it or not, and whether or not this, ultimately the best thing could have happened. Jason needed to go away. Tim needed to come in. When Jason eventually came back, it was as a better and more interesting character than he was when he left. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, it all worked out in the end, no matter how it happened. But I, I, we've always known that it was a really close vote. I also think that certainly for me, and I, I bet you're the same way. That was a kind of a watershed moment. Oh, for sure. Uh, in comics. I mean, I will never get those three panels out of my head of the Joker with the crowbar. Oh, yeah. And, I, I mean, I don't think it changed anything, but it was a sign of the time. Well, I mean, all that would have still been there. The only difference was he would have survived the blast. He still would have been beaten with the crowbar and all that stuff. Yeah, but the but the outcome of it matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, no, the idea that they could kill a Robin and... You know, like like everything, this was news at the time, national Brutally. news. And, and yeah, I mean, it was a big deal. 
Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's it, it is it is a much more of a linchpin moment than you think about, but it is. Yes. So you take that out. You take that piece. You know, take that piece away. Everything falls down. That's interesting. Hmm. Okay. Question for Josh. Alan Moore, Jamie Delano, Peter Milligan, and Brian Azzarello have all claimed to have met John Constantine in real life when out at bars. I think they were smoking something. If you had to talk to him, him being John Constantine, because any right-minded person would avoid it, what kind of interaction, conversation, relationship would you want to have with Mr. Constantine? All right. First of all, I love the legend that has been created of them having met, you know, like... Alan Moore says, I met him. Right. I believe Alan Moore. <laughs> I believe Alan Moore believes he met him. Yeah. The other guys, who cares if they did or not? It's a great story. Mm-hmm. It continues the legend. Good. Let's do that. That's that's amazing. They they just follow the perfect improv. They followed that dude's lead. Mm-hmm. Now, a- as uh, Zach said, uh, you don't, anybody with a right-minded person. So my first instinct is, was like, get the fuck away from him. Do not become friends with that man. Well, you know what's interesting is I'm just trying to picture you in a bar and seeing John Constantine and having the reaction. I still remember viscerally going to Com- San Diego Comic-Con in 2001 and seeing um, – what's his name from Planetary? Uh, uh, Cassidy? Cassidy. John Cassidy in real uh-huh. life. And he had drawn the drummer. So he modeled it after himself. Mm-hmm. And so – you know, 2001, still early internet. We didn't have a ton of photos of all these people. So mm-hmm. I still remember viscerally walking into the DC booth, seeing the drummer from Planetary in real life and freaking out inside for a half second. Oh, that's Be- crazy. Because there's a, there's a there's the comic character is now alive and looking exactly like him in front of me. And I, I, I can imagine that feeling seeing but then again like what does john constantine look like right sting i guess i mean but, the first two things i'd be interested in, how do you pronounce your name too <laughs> and and what would his accent be right and what so the other day because he's 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 a scouse scouser he mm-hmm. so that's that's a liverpool accent um i think it's not the same as like the beatles liverpool accent. It's a different kind of thing and i i saw some video on instagram the other day and he was then the guy was like i'm a real scouser and and the accent was I was like if that's what John Constantine like nobody has this accent in their mind. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean like it's I, I'm trying to like I could answer it funny I could whatever but like I would avoid that motherfucker with all my like I really would like I'm not going to be in a bar where he would be. Right. I I I don't know how to deal. I'm not. I don't deal with the CD. I have no place in it. I am no. I am unthreatening. I don't have. It's not. I don't even like being in bars, so I'm a bad person to ask that question and to. Intim- and an intimidating but, scouser with a cigarette and a trench coat at the bar who wants you to get, get involved in his shenanigans—you yeah. are out of there. And it, it like if okay, so if I didn't know him, uh, I would be like, this guy's fucked up, and I'm. I don't want. I want to get away from him. But if I did know him, then I would twice as much on it because I everyone he's been close to has been killed. Mm-hmm. Everyone. So True. no, you don't want to be his friend. You don't want to have a relationship with him. You want to get away from him. That's the whole point, and that's the thing. But he's charming. He knows how to say the right thing to get you interested, or, or you know, keep you around to to get you to do what he needs you to do. Um, and he's not happy about it. But if it's what has to happen, he can. 
So I think the thing is, like, if he wants to uh, ensnare you in whatever he's going, he's going to. But also, so, you you would at least talk to him long enough to answer your two questions. Oh, sure. Which is, how do you pronounce yeah. your name, and what does your accent really sound like, and yeah. which version of John Constantine do you actually look like? Which you don't have to talk mm-hmm. to him to answer, because you can see just by right. looking at it. I would say, did you see that show where you had that weird short fucking jacket? What's that about? <laughs> you were too pretty in that, weren't you? He played him on like four shows. Well, I mean, it's good work of being good. Did his jacket get longer or dirty? Um, a lot of times he just had this, the, everything but the jacket on. Well, I think the jacket might have gotten longer. Joanna Constantine in, in the Sandman was the best version of that character I've ever seen. It was a lady, and she was very clean, but it was still, I was like, oh, that's him. Quite clean. That's great. Yeah. Her apartment was super clean. It bothered me. Contact.ifanboy.com <laughs> is where you can write in to get your email on the show, like Zach from St. Louis, Missouri. Thanks for writing in, Zach. You can also write in for our Media Explode show by putting Media Explode in the subject line. And we thank everyone who writes in. And now let's plug shows and get out of here. Uh, last week, we had Josh's talk slow interview with Marvel editor Jordan D. White. That was fun. I like that you talk to editors, Josh. It's a good dynamic for the show. It's, it's interesting. The, it's the only time I've had. Uh, an active Marvel or DC editor on. I've had a bunch of them say no. And so right. that was really fun. And he's it's been a, there since 2007. So it's yeah, like all the inbox. It's good because people are always saying, what does an editor actually do? And so it's good to have editors on the show so they can, they can talk about it. A week before that, we had our media explode show. We talked about Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, which I believe is now out on Amazon Prime for rental, if you, if you haven't seen it. And also we ranked the films of Quentin Tarantino. And then this coming week, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, there will be a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three review. We just haven't haven't figured out exactly how that's going to go, and we also haven't figured out who's going to see it, and it hasn't happened yet. So we're crossing our fingers that it will happen this week. I want. I'm looking forward to it. So hopefully, it'll happen. This is Dad Weekend. What are you going to do? Yeah. When my kids want to see something, it's a problem for the speed of these shows. <laughs> but it makes me happy. True. Oh wait, we should mention we should mention that there will be a book explode this month. That we'll be reviewing, Josh and I will be reviewing The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon. And so if you haven't read that, you have <laughs> only a couple of weeks. But you could do it. It's fast. I mean, it's good. You won't be able to put it down. But uh, if you have read it, you can look forward to that. If you haven't read it since it came out 20 years ago, you might want to give it a reread. Yeah. But the Pulitzer Prize winning The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon is a, uh, the novel that we'll be doing on our books below this month. I almost started talking about it. I'm not. I gonna, almost did too. I want to. As soon as you said Pulitzer, I was like, Ugh. "All right." Just, I mean, just just so people, I'm wondering why you don't know. It's it's a fictionalization of the early days of the comic book industry in New York City. Yeah, part that's that's the wrapping around a lot of other things, but that's why it's related to what we're doing here at the website. You I just called our website. This hasn't find. been a website in years. No, in ten years. Every time, every time we mention it, like I go, I go to it to see what number show we're doing next, but I was like, there's nothing there. <laughs> Ten years we stopped doing the website. Really? Yeah, that was two thousand and thirteen. You can find we have we shut the when we shut the comments off. That was when. Yeah. That was when it was dead for me. Yeah. If you can find our library of over thirteen hundred shows there, so there is that. There's it's it's an archive. It's a library, and it's really important in that way. Thirteen hundred shows and counting over at ifanboy.com, wherever podcasts are sold, distributed, bought, or uh, or transferred, licensed. You, uh, do they? No. <laughs> Follow us at iFanboy Comics on Instagram and find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And sometimes you'll see the best of the week in panels. I don't think you're going to beat the Spider Man painted face, no mask. 
So we should probably just stop that. You can follow us individually. It's <laughs> <laughs> the eyes. The eyes. Jesus. C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and J.A. Flanagan also on Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube uh, page, youtube.com slash fanboy. That's where you'll find all of our old video shows. There's a lot of those. And then we put this show up every week on YouTube. Not always timely, depending on who's out of town, but uh, it goes up eventually. They will be there eventually. And please consider leaving a review or star rating wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Pocket Cast. Is that still a thing? Whatever podcasts you listen to, uh, consider rating and reviewing them. We do appreciate it. I'll I'll say this right now, Josh. If someone wants to license the show, all media worldwide in perpetuity, that was old. Those those are the old terms. It's just, it's it's burned in my brain. Yeah, sure. So uh, if, I'll have the conversation. Sure. You know, A and E was paying sixty five dollars a second with a minimum of thirty seconds. <laughs> Josh and I used to work in licensing. Hey, that's <laughs> it for this week's show. I'm Connor. That would make me Josh. Well. That's my given name, but I think that we all know me as Fitzroy. What was it? Gibbons Belly. (laughs) Of the the San Francisco Gibbons Bellies. Yeah, yeah. We we hate the Sackville Gibbons Bellies. Of course, because they're assholes. 